Good afternoon, folks. We're glad to be here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, uh, continuing. And we're out to introduce you to the work and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're a local congregation. We meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. That's just up Dumbarton Road. And when you come to the police station, opposite the police station, go up the hill and you will come to Thornwood Primary School first and you'll meet our building on the crossroads next door to Thornwood Primary School. We would extend a warm welcome to you to come along on the Lord's Day Sunday at 11 a.m. or early evening at 6 p.m. And we also have a, a midweek meeting on Wednesday. So please feel free to come along. We are a, a local congregation. We're a Scottish registered charity. And we do extend a warm welcome to you all that you might come along and hear something more concerning uh, the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to ask ourselves maybe a question as we pass by. And the question is, what is wrong with the world? What is wrong with this world that we're in? And to understand that question, we must first accept that this world has been made by a Creator God. The first verse in the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, what does it say? It says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And that would tell us that God is eternal. God is from everlasting to everlasting. He's a God who has no beginning and therefore can have no end. But creation, and all that belongs to creation, has a beginning. And God spoke and brought all things into being. The Bible teaches us that the work of creation is God's making all things by nothing in the space of six days and all very good. And therefore, when we recognize that God is the one who has made everything in this world, and he made it very good, because that was his own verdict upon his handiwork, we have to ask ourselves the question then, what is wrong with this world? Because there are many, many problems and many, many difficulties, and there are many things that are wrong with this world. Well, I would suggest to you that the real problem with this world is the heart of man. Man is the real problem in this world. The Bible teaches us that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's the Bible's verdict, and therefore that's God's verdict upon the heart of every one of us, upon our hearts. Let me read one or two verses 
that Jesus taught his disciples regarding our hearts. He says in Matthew chapter 15, and at verse 19, and again I would advise you to read these words for yourself in your own Bible. But in Matthew chapter 15, at verse 19, Jesus said to his disciples, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. And therefore he was assessing the heart of every single individual. Your heart and my heart. Now what does it mean when the Bible talks about our hearts? Well, it's not talking about the physical organ of our heart. When the Bible talks about our heart, it is the very center and the very core of mankind. It is what is in a man. It is what governs a man. It is what determines his thoughts and his actions. They all come from the heart, from the very center of man. And this is God's verdict upon your heart and my heart by nature. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. On another occasion, just before God sent the great worldwide flood upon the ancient world, we are told in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, For God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That was God's verdict upon the ancient world. For God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And because mankind was so wicked, and so sinful in the sight of God, what did he do? He sent a great flood. And that flood killed everyone on the earth, apart from Noah and those who joined him in the ark. But we're not to think that mankind today is any different to what it was way back before the flood. Because, friends, our hearts have not changed. They are exactly the same as they were in that day when God said, For God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And therefore, I go back to our basic question that we asked almost at the beginning. What is wrong with this world? The, the problem with this world, friend, is your heart and my heart. And it's a problem that we cannot address ourselves. 
We don't have the desire, we don't have the will, and we don't have the power to deal with this immense great problem. But there is hope, and that's why we come out on the streets with the Christian gospel, because the gospel is full of hope. And where is that hope to be found? That hope is to be found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did. Because he is the Son of God, and he became just like us. He became just like us, sin only accepted. And he became like us in order that he would be able to do something about our sin. Now, what could he possibly do to sort the problem of our sin? Well, he became like us, and he lived a perfect life, an absolutely perfect life. He never sinned in thought or in word or in deed. He never had to say a sorry. He never had to utter an apology. He never had to take back his words. He, he did no wrong deeds whatsoever. I truly respect you for doing that. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Thanks for the encouragement. We need, we, need, we need all the encouragement we can get in these days. But nevertheless, friends, we have to recognize that our problem is so great that only the Son of God could deal with it. And he came, and he lived a perfect life, and therefore he fulfilled the law of God the law that God has given to us, but every one of us has broken that law, He alone, He alone kept that law. But more than that, He went to the cross. And why did He go to the cross? He went to the cross because He was going to offer up His life, His person, as a once-for-all perfect sacrifice to satisfy the just demands of God's most holy and inflexible law. You see, the law says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And that's the wages of sin. And that's what we deserve. But Jesus Christ has suffered and died in our room and in our place. And here is the very essence and the glory and the wonder and the amazement of the gospel that God is prepared to accept a substitute in our place. Isn't that wonderful? Every one of us by nature, although we might not like to be told this, yet the Bible tells us, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means every one of us by nature have missed the mark. We have not met the standard set to us by our Creator. He has given us a law. And you might well ask the minister, what is that law, minister, that God has given to us? That law is the Ten Commandments. And in essence, you have the Ten Commandments written in your heart. Yes, because of sin, your heart is not as clear as it should be, and that law is not as clear as it should be. It is somewhat defaced. But God has given us that law in His Word. 
He has given us the Ten Commandments. He gave it to Moses on Mount Sinai. And there God delivered the Ten Commandments. He wrote it with his own finger on two tables of stone to remind us that this law was permanent. It was not temporary. And this law is relevant to every single one of us without exception. But the sad reality about this law that God has given to us is that we've all broken that law. The Bible would say we are lawbreakers. That's why it says, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, you might well be asking me, Minister, what is sin? Well, sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And what that simply means is, if we do not fulfill God's law, we have broken it. We can break God's law by sins of omission or sins of commission. But God has given this law to every one of us, and we are to obey it. But because we are sinners by nature and sinners by practice, it is impossible for us to keep this law. And in fact, we sin daily. We sin hourly. We sin every minute of every day. Now you might think, well, that's a bit extreme, is it not? I'm not a sinner. Well, let us listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ says about these things. He is our infallible teacher. We will listen to what he says. One day he was asked by someone, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he summed up the Ten Commandments by saying that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Which one of us has ever done that? Which one of us has ever loved the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And which one of us has ever loved our neighbors like ourselves? We have to admit that we have broken God's law. And therefore, because we have broken God's law, we are guilty in His sight. Now you might think that God will go light with sin, but He will not. God is a God who will not tolerate sin. He must deal with it. But blessed be God, He has dealt with it. He has dealt with it when He sent the Lord Jesus Christ to suffer and to die on Calvary's tree. Now what, what is so unique about what Christ did and what He undertook? Well, what makes it so unique is that He offered up a perfect sacrifice. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you will know that the people of God had to present sacrifices. And this was daily. They had to daily offer up lambs and bullocks and all kinds of sacrifices. Now you might say, what was the point in that? 
the point was that the worshippers were to recognize that the only way that they could get right with God was by shedding blood. Life had to be given for their sins. And they were all pointing forward to that day when the Lord Jesus Christ would come and he would offer that once-for-all perfect sacrifice. And that's what he did on Calvary's tree. He lived a perfect life. He kept the law of God. We have broken God's law. We do it daily. We do it hourly. We do it minute after minute. We break the law of God. But Jesus did not. He kept that law absolutely perfect. And he suffered as a sinner on Calvary's tree. He did not sin. He could not sin. He knew no sin. But he suffered as a sinner in the room and in place of sinners. And friends, this is the Christian gospel. God has punished his son in the place of men and women. And what are we to do? What is our response to this? Well, our response is quite clear. We are to repent and we are to believe the gospel. That is what's required of us. What does it mean to repent? We remind ourselves that this is how Jesus began his public ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What does it mean to repent? Well, to repent means we must turn away from our sins. It's not just enough to acknowledge that we're sinners. It's not just to acknowledge that we, we have sinned before God. It's not simply just confession. And it's not simply to be sorry for our sins. You know, I was reading today that Judas, that false apostle who betrayed the Lord Jesus, what are we told about him? We are told that he repented. He repented himself. But he died and he perished. And now he is in hell today. No, friends, we must do something more than that. When we say repent, we are to turn away from our sins. We are to stop committing our sins. This is what's required of us. It's not simply we acknowledge them. It's not simply that we're sorry for them. But we go one step further. We stop committing them. Or we endeavor to stop committing sin. This is what is required of us. And therefore, friends, if we're to follow the Lord Jesus, and if we are to truly uh, close in with Him, we are to turn our backs upon our old life. We are to stop our fornication. We are to stop our adultery. We are to turn away from our lying and cheating and from our pride and from our lust and from all kinds of sins. We are to turn our backs upon them. That's what it means to repent. And what else does the gospel tell us to do? It tells us to repent and to believe. We are to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to believe that He is the one who has come from heaven, that He is God's answer to our greatest need and our greatest problem. He alone can deal with our sins. And He did this. 
when he took upon himself our form and nature, and he lived a perfect life and offered up a perfect sacrifice. And we are to believe that he is the God-appointed Savior. We are to recognize the truth of the words that Jesus himself did say. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And there Jesus is telling all of us that there's no way to be right with God. There is no way to be found in heaven at the end unless we come and believe upon Jesus Christ and receive him as our Lord and as our Savior. There is no other Savior in this world. There is no other gospel. We know there are many, many religions in this world today. We know that, and the number is growing every day. But all of them are false. And if you are a devotee of any other religion, or if you are following any other person and hoping to be in heaven at the end, you will be sadly deluded. Because Jesus Christ is the only Savior. He is the only one that has ever come from heaven. And He's the one who is taking people to heaven. I see some people shaking their heads, but the day will come when they will not shake their heads. The day will come when they will stand before King Jesus. Yes, friends, the day will come when He shall return. He will return with power and glory. He will sit upon His great white throne and every person that has ever lived will stand before King Jesus and they will give account of their lives on that day and there will be no shaking of heads that day. In fact, the Bible would tell us that every tongue shall be silenced. Have you ever had an occasion when your tongue has stuck to the top of your mouth and you find it very difficult to speak, that's what will happen that day when you will stand before King Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He is Lord. You know, multitudes today will be rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. They will think nothing of Him. They will not consider His claims that He has upon their lives. And they will ridicule Him. They will laugh about Him. They will not acknowledge Him. But one day, friends, all that shall be changed. And that is one reason that we would come out this afternoon in order that we might bring something of the Christian gospel to you because we rejoice. This is truly the day of grace This is a day of God's favor to every man and woman and child on the street of Buchanan Street this 12th, I believe, of November 2022. Here, God's grace is being proclaimed to you. You are, in some sense, being reminded of the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and with all the infirmities and frailties of the gospel preacher, we are pressing upon you the claims of Christ, and we are telling you sincerely that He is the one who has come
to seek and to save that which was lost. And this is what we need to realize, friends, that by nature, as far as God is concerned, we are lost, we are perishing, we are without God and without hope in this world. And why is that the case? It is the case because we're sinners and God is a holy God and God of whom it is said, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. And therefore in the sight of God we are by nature evil. We are sinners. Now we, we don't like to be told these things, I acknowledge. But the Bible is here to instruct us and to warn us and to tell us the truth as it is in Jesus. And we must realize that before God, we are sinners. You know, you might go before the court, you might go before a law judge, and you will be declared innocent. And most likely, most people that I'm speaking to this afternoon, the law has nothing against you. Your life is perfect. Nothing against you whatsoever as far as the law is concerned. But you're not going to be judged by mankind's law. You're going to be judged by God's law. And God's law is inflexible. It is absolutely holy and pure. And therefore, friends, if we might say this, the first step that's required of us is that we are to recognize that we are sinners. Oh, we know we don't like to hear that. We know the gospel is offensive to the natural man, but it is true. It is true. And this is our greatest problem. And it's a problem that we cannot deal with ourselves. It is beyond us. But here is the great hope of the Christian gospel that Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Do we realize we're lost, friends? Well, friends, if you realize you're lost, there's great hope for you. Why? Because there's a Savior. And there's a Savior who will save to the absolute uttermost. Who is that Savior? That Savior is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, that one who is able to save to the uttermost. Why is He able to save for the uttermost? Because He ever liveth. You know, we're not presenting to you this afternoon a dead Savior. We're presenting to you this afternoon a Savior that is alive alive forevermore and he is alive in such a way that death no longer has any hold upon him death cannot touch the Lord Jesus Christ he died he suffered yes and he died and he went into the tomb and he was there until the first day of the week and what happened then he arose and now friends he is alive forevermore and that's the Savior you need. That's the Savior of the Christian. That's the Savior of the Bible. That's Him. And He has come.
to give His life a ransom for many. He has come to offer salvation to every single one of you. Your sins can be forgiven. Hallelujah, we say. Your sins, all of your sins, every sin, all the sins you've forgotten about, they can all be forgiven. How can they be forgiven? They can only be forgiven through coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, through calling upon Him, for He has power to forgive sin. Why has He got power? He's got power because He suffered and died on Calvary's tree. Why? For sinners. And this is what we need to realize. We need to realize we're sinners in the sight of God, and we need the Savior. So many people think they can save themselves. They come to a realization that they're not right with God, and they try to do something about it. And what do they do? They turn to religion, or they turn to good works, or charity, or something like that. And somehow they think if they perform nice things, if they're good to their neighbor, if they live a, a good life, then somehow God will accept them for, for what they have done. That's salvation by works. That's repugnant to God because all our good works are but filthy rags in His sight. The only way to be saved, friends, is to have a Savior. And who is that Savior? That Savior is Christ the Lord, the Son of God who became the Son of Man and who laid down His life in order that sinners might be reconciled to God. And we are delighted this afternoon to be out from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. And we extend a warm welcome to you to come along. We meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road. And when you come to the police station, opposite the police station, go up that hill, you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. And then you'll come to our building at the crossroads. We extend a warm welcome to you. Come along at 11 o'clock tomorrow, the Lord's Day, or at 6 p.m., and we will give you a warm welcome. And we also meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30. And may God bless His Word to you this afternoon as we would take a short break. Good afternoon, folks. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing with a local congregation with a Scottish registered charity and we meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace go up to Barton Road and you'll come to the police station and opposite the police station go up that hill there and first of all you'll come to Thornwood Primary School and then you'll meet our building at the crossroads we will give you a warm welcome to come along we meet tomorrow the Lord's Day and Sunday at 11 or 6 p.m. And we also meet midweek at Wednesday at 7.30. And please come along. You will be made most welcome. And we give this introduction because we want you to know that we're not cowboys. We're not fly-by-night people. We are ones who live in Glasgow. We have a, a bona fide congregation. And we are not in any sense unreputable. We are ones who preach the authentic 
Orthodox Christian faith. And I wonder, friends, this afternoon, do we actually know what the gospel's all about? We do recognize, because we keep our feet firmly upon the ground, that today Christianity has been rejected, and it's really been rejected by many people who really don't know what Christianity is all about. And very, very often people are rejecting it because someone else has rejected it. You should never reject anything unless you look at it for yourself. And we would invite wide open, full inspection of the Christian faith. We're not ashamed of the Christian faith. And neither should you. You should look into it. And don't simply dismiss it because someone else has dismissed it. And I ask you, friends, as you pass by this afternoon, what is the Christian gospel? What is it all about? Well, there's one verse in the Bible that really sums up uh, the Christian gospel. And we like to use it in the open air. Here we have the Apostle Paul telling his young pastor in uh, Ephesus, telling him to exhort himself and to get on with the Christian gospel ministry. And he says to them, or to Timothy, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. And there you really have the heart of the Christian gospel. It's a gospel concerning the Son of God who became the Son of Man. And he came to this world on a rescue mission. And he came to rescue sinners. Now you might wonder to yourself then, who are the sinners? Who are the ones that he has come to rescue? Well, the Bible makes it clear to us that there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none righteous, no, not one. And what that means is, as far as God is concerned, there is none righteous in his sight. That's what he teaches in his word. And this is not surprising when we consider who God is. God is absolutely holy and pure and undefiled. And he hates sin with a holy hatred. God is one who lives in unapproachable light. He's full of glory and splendor and holiness. And we are not. And there's the big contrast and the great problem that we have. God is infinitely holy and the Bible says that we are not because the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Or as it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short 
of the glory of God. And there we have the great contrast and the great problem between a holy God and sinful mankind. And there's a great gulf then between us. And how can we possibly address this gulf? Well, the simple matter is we cannot. It is beyond us. And even we need to realize we have no desire. There is no motive in us. There is no will. There is no inclination in us to be reconciled to God and to deal with that great problem. But that is not the same for God. Because you might well know this verse that we have in the Bible. In John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Now these verses are familiar to us, I'm sure. But these verses are wonderful because they tell us about the very heart of God. We are the ones who has offended God by our behavior, by the fact that we have broken the law that God has given to us. But God has taken the initiative. God has done something about it. God did not back off. God did not wipe his hands off mankind. No, God saw us lost and God saw us perishing and God has done something about it. What has he done? He has sent his son. Now how can his son possibly save us? Well, friends, we need to realize one or two things about the son of God. He became a man. He became just like every one of us. He took a human nature to himself. And he lived a perfect life. He did not sin. He could not sin. It was impossible for him. And therefore, all the days of his life, he lived a perfect life. He never said a wrong word. He never performed a wrong deed. He never had a wrong thought. He lived his life in perfect conformity to the law of God. And that's important for us because when we believe upon the Lord Jesus, His righteousness is given to us. It is, if we might put it in everyday language, it is as if we have obeyed God's law. His righteousness has, is given to those who believe upon the Lord Jesus. But Jesus went, went one step further. Jesus offered up himself as a once-for-all perfect sacrifice. You see, sin has its wages. What are the wages of sin? The wages of sin is death. That's how serious sin is in the sight of God. And that's why every one of us will die. We die because of sin. If there was no sin in this world, we would never die. And Jesus has done something about it. He offered up his perfect life, his sinless life, 
as a sacrifice to pay the price of our sins. And here is the glory and the very essence of the Christian gospel. When we believe in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. Hallelujah! Our sins are forgiven. That's what happens when you close in with Christ, when you truly believe upon Him. And that's the gospel. He was delivered for our offenses, and He was raised alive for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what you long for, men and women. This is what you want. You want peace with God. You maybe don't recognize it, but there's something in the back of your mind, and sometimes it manifests itself more on one occasion than another. And this is what it is. You're not right with God. And there is a barrier. There's something there nagging at you. And sometimes, maybe in a quiet time, or maybe when you're feeling ill, or maybe when someone has passed on, then you have these thoughts that if you passed on, where would you go? There's a problem. You have a problem with God, or we might more accurately say, God has a problem with you, and it is your sin. And you might not be able to articulate it or recognize it, but that's what it is. And you're looking for peace with God. How can you get peace with God? Well, you can't get peace with God through religion or good works or being a nice person or doing whatever else. There's only one way to get right with God, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. For salvation is found in none other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's what the apostles said. That was the gospel that turned the world upside down. They went forth and they preached Jesus Christ and the resurrection. And this is what we seek to do even for a few moments as you're passing by to introduce you to the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you might put your faith and your hope upon Him. And whoever will trust upon the Lord Jesus will never be put to shame. The day is coming, friends, when we'll stand before Him in His great white throne. He'll be there in all His glory. And you will come before Him. Every human being that's ever lived will have an audience with Jesus Christ. It is true that today you can live your life without any reference to Christ. That is true. But you dare not die without Him because one day you will meet Him and you will give account for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may, give, may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We're glad to be here, friends, and we're glad to be handing out gospel tracts. And if you take one and you want to hand it back,
then please hand it back to myself and don't put it in the bin. Please don't put it in the bin. We'd love to take it back from you. If you've read it and you don't want it, then please don't put it in the bin, but bring it back to us. Because if you won't take it, someone else will. And we're here seeking to preach the gospel and hand out gospel tracts to you. Why do we do it? Well, we do it, friends, for a number of reasons. One of them is you don't come to us, so we must go to you. Our churches are empty today. All around the city, churches are closing, are they not? Why are they closing? Because people like you are not going to the house of God, and therefore we must come out because you must hear this message. This message is the most important thing that you can possibly hear. It's telling you about the way to eternal life. It's telling you how you might get right with God. It's telling you how that you can be prepared for death and for judgment and for eternity. There you'll find the answers to these questions in the Word of God, friends. And we live in a day and a time when the vast majority of the population are rejecting Christianity and they're rejecting God's Word. Therefore, we must come out and we must warn you because as the Apostle Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And we seek to persuade you that you might consider the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Bible tells us that he said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Who else could say that? Two thousand years ago, the Son of God came, and he said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall never pass away. No, thank you, sir. No, we'll not shut up. This is a day to speak. This is a day of grace. This is a day when the gospel is to be proclaimed and when men and women and boys and girls are to find peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we possibly keep quiet when people are perishing? Do you know what happens, friends, when you pass into eternity? Do you know what happens when you take your last breath? Where will you go? Check that up on the internet. Thank you. When, when, when will you go? Where will you go, friends, when you draw your last breath? The atheists will tell us it's all over. Well, we know that to be absolute, complete, and utter rubbish. How do we know it? We know it because Jesus Christ suffered and died, and he rose again. And the very fact that Jesus is alive today demonstrates that you and I will have a resurrection. There is life after death, and where will you go? The Bible tells us we will go to one of two places. We will go to a place that is called heaven. If we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, if our sins are forgiven, if we're right with God, we will go to heaven. But if we're not, where will we go? There's another place. What's it called? You know it? 
Maybe you, you use it as a swear word. It's called hell. It's a place that has been prepared for the devil and for his angels. And if we're not right with God, the moment that we draw our last breath, that's where we'll go. Now, no one in their right mind would want to go to hell. And that's why we come out, friends, that we might be able to persuade you to consider the claims of Christ, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You see, this is the day of God's favor. This is the day of God's grace. This is when the gospel of peace has been offered to you in and through the Lord Jesus, when you've been urged to repent and believe, to repent and to turn your back upon your old life, and to take up the cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe upon Him, to believe that He is the one who has come from heaven, to believe that He was the one whom God sent as, as, as our Savior, to believe that He is the Son of God, He is God in the flesh, and to believe that He is the one who has saved you. You know, friends, many people will say they believe upon the Lord Jesus. Do you know? The devil believes upon the Lord Jesus. The devil believes the Bible. The devil's a better theologian than the minister. He knows the Scriptures better than the minister. But he's not going to be saved. He'll never be in heaven. Therefore, for you to be saved, you need to have more than simply head knowledge. It's not enough simply to believe that Jesus was a true historical figure. And it's not enough simply to believe upon the Bible. The devil believes the Bible, and he trembles. What does it mean then to believe upon the Lord Jesus? It means to trust upon Him. It means to rely upon Him. It means to look to Him to save you. That's what it means. You're not trusting upon yourself. You're not trusting upon your good works or your church attendance or anything else. You're trusting upon Christ and upon Him alone. And this is what's required of us, friends, if we're to be saved. We must have a Savior. And He is the one who did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. You know, He could have come as a judge. He could have come as a conqueror. He could have come as a destroyer. But the Son of God came as a Savior. Thou shalt call His name Jesus, because He shall save His people from their sins. What a wonderful description of Christ, the Savior. Has He saved you, friends? Has He saved you? Well, the only way He saves is if you come to Him. He says to, to us all, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Take My yoke upon you, and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there, friends, what we have there in these three verses is a gospel invitation, a gospel invitation from the Word of God, from Christ Jesus Himself, the Savior, to you this afternoon. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Have you got a burden? I'm not talking about your shopping, and I'm not talking about your backpack, but have you got a burden? And that burden will manifest itself at different times in your life. But I tell you, friends, that burden you have, it's called sin. It's a terrible burden. It's an increasing burden. It's a burden you cannot shake off. It's a burden that goes with you 24 hours of the day, 7 days of the week, 365 days of the year. And it's a burden that weighs you down. And sometimes you know it more than other times. And this burden is telling you that you're not right with God. You're not ready to meet a holy God. But here in the Christian gospel is the answer to your greatest problem. It's Jesus Christ. He has come to deal with your sin. And that's why he said to these people way back 2,000 years ago, Come, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you want your sin to be dealt with? Do you want to be right with God? Do you want to know that your eternal future is secure? Then what must you do? You must come to the Lord Jesus. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. There's a special exhortation to the young. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, when you're young. Give your life to the Lord Jesus when you're young. Call upon Him while you're young. Give, give the best part of your life to Christ now, before the evil days come. What are the evil days? The evil days are days of old age. And we all know something about them. Because when old age comes, what happens? Our bodies begin to decay. Our minds are not as sharp as they once were. We begin to fail. And things are not as easy as they once were. And some people think, well, I'll become a Christian and I'll deal with God when I get older. Being a Christian, friends, is for young people. Being a Christian demands your all. It's not easy being a Christian. And therefore, that's why we have this exhortation. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. These are the words of King Solomon, who was in his day the wisest man that ever lived. And he had tasted all that life could give him. He had wine. He had women. He had song. He had wisdom. 
He had power. He had influence. He had everything this world could give him. And he came to that conclusion at the end of his life. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. I have a question. Hurry up, sir. Yeah, tell me what it is, please. Power, as in power of life force blood, or power as authority, because both mean the same thing. The more power you have within yourself, the more you raise your own power into authority. Because you purify yourself and you go higher in power and strength and ability and all, all others. Yeah, but what's, what's your question? I'm not... Well, I'm asking you, what is the power that you said he had? Who has? Who you just spoke of. Because it, Yeshua is not his real name, is it? No. Yeshua? Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus? Of course and it was. Israel, no, it wasn't. In the, in the Hebrew Bible, it's not, it doesn't say that. Well, no. That's the real Bible. Well. Hebrew, come on. And power equals energy, life force, a battery. And people drain it all the time. No wonder they get drained, because they consume animals. That's a sin. That's evil. It's not a sin to consume animals. because We come from animals. We don't come from animals. No, we no. DNA proves it. We came from the dust of the earth. No, wrong. No, no. Then you're another false one. No, no, sir. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the work of creation is God's making all things of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. And God made man male and female after his own image in knowledge, righteousness and holiness with dominion over the creature. And we are made in the image of God and part of that image is God has given us a law and we have broken that law and because of this we need to be saved and how can we be saved the only way that we can be saved is to have the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior because he is the one who has come from heaven and he's the one who has lived a perfect life fulfilled God's law and fulfilled the penalty for breaking God's law. Not that he broke it, but mankind broke it. And Christ paid the penalty of that broken law when he offered up his once for all perfect sacrifice. We'll hear from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We are a Scottish registered charity with a local congregation. We live in Glasgow. We worship in Glasgow. And we seek to preach to you this afternoon the authentic Orthodox Christian gospel. We're going to take a short break to recharge our batteries, but may the Lord be pleased to bless his word to you uh, this afternoon. Good afternoon again. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing. And we meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road. You'll come to the police station. Opposite the police station, go up the hill and you'll come first of all to Thornwood Primary School and then you'll meet our building on the crossroads next door. And we meet tomorrow, the Lord's Day, Sunday at 11 a.m. And again, we have an evening service at 6. We extend a warm welcome to you and we have a midweek meeting 
Wednesday at 7.30. These meetings are all open to the public. We have nothing to be ashamed of. We want to proclaim Christ to you. And you'll find our services very simple, straightforward. Please come along and make yourself known. And we tend to come out in the open air. We try to come out once a week. We come out here on Buchanan Street. And we also preach near our home. We go to Partick Station. And we proclaim the gospel there also. So it's nothing new for us. We come out, friends, because we have a great commission from the Lord Jesus Christ to go out and to proclaim the gospel to every creature. And we do recognize that many people don't go to a place of worship today. Therefore, it's doubly accountable upon us to go out that you might hear this, this message because sadly today, many people will live and they will die without hearing about Jesus Christ or at least without hearing an authentic proclamation of the gospel. And that's a terrible thing. If someone was to live and die without hearing about the Son of God, that one who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as we are preaching here this afternoon, we ask that you stop and listen. And if you're not able to stop, then please take a, a gospel tract and read it. Take it home. Please don't put it in the bin. If you have accepted one and you want to return it, then please do so. We'll happily take it back from you, but please do not put it in the bin because if you don't take it, someone else will. And who knows, one day that little gospel tract may be the beginning so that they one day will be found in heaven. And really, this is why we're here this afternoon. And this is really the very essence of Christianity and the gospel. It is how we can be reconciled to God. In other words, how can we be saved? This is what Christianity is all about. This is what the Bible's all about. It is about being saved. Because we, first of all, we need to realize we're lost. By nature, we are lost. Why are we lost? We're lost because we're sinners. Why are we sinners? We are sinners by nature and we're sinners by practice. Uh, way back in the beginning, God made Adam out of the dust and he made his wife Eve from Adam and these couple were perfect absolutely perfect they never sinned until that day the devil tempted them and then they fell into sin and they became sinners and because we've all come from Adam and Eve we have inherited their sinful nature therefore we are born sinners and that's why we do things that are wrong. You can even look at this as you examine your children. Your children will do things that are wrong. Did you teach them to do these things? Of course not. You didn't. Where did they learn? They learned it from their own sinful nature. And therefore, the Bible's right. It tells us that we're all sinners. 
we're all sinners by nature, and we're all sinners by practice. And this is a great problem for us. It's a problem that we cannot deal with. It's too great, for sin is the most powerful thing known in the world next to God Himself. But the great hope and the wonder and the glory of the gospel is that God has done something about our sin when He sent the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Son of God became the Son of Man. He became like us, sin only accepted. He lived a perfect life, and He died offering up a perfect sacrifice. And because of this, we're able to come out and to tell men and women and boys and girls to be reconciled to God through believing upon Jesus Christ the Lord. You see, He did suffer. He died. He was taken off the cross, and He was put into a tomb, and that tomb was sealed. But on the first day of the week, He arose. He came out of the tomb. He's alive. He's alive forevermore. And that would tell us that the work that He came to do, God accepted. God would never accept or raise to life an imposter, would He? Of course not. The very fact that Jesus Christ arose and there is an empty grave today demonstrates that the work of Christ was acceptable. And what was His work? His work was to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. And in order that He might save the lost, He had to die for them. And that's what He did. He lived a perfect life and offered up a perfect sacrifice. And when we believe upon Him, what happens? His righteousness is given to us, and our sins have been laid upon Christ. He has paid the price that was rightly due to you and I. And that's why we have in the, in the Bible verses like, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. There we have a glorious and a wonderful gospel invitation given to every one of us, even to those who are passing by this afternoon. Let me repeat it to you. Look unto me, that is Jesus, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. In order to be saved then, in order to be reconciled to God, in order to have your sins forgiven, what must you do? You must look unto Jesus. Not just simply a look with your eye, but you must trust upon Him. That's what you must do. You must recognize that in of yourself you're lost, you're perishing, you have no hope in this world, and the only hope for salvation is to trust upon what Jesus Christ has done. That's what it means to look upon the Savior. And when we look upon the Savior, we are saved. What are we saved from? We're saved from the guilt of our sin. This is something that we carry with us all the time until our sins are forgiven. 
We have this burden. It's called our sins. It's a burden because we know we're not right with God. But when we believe upon Jesus, our sins are forgiven. And the guilt of our sins is taken away from us. And we're saved even from the power of sin. You know, sin has a power over us. By nature, we sin continually. But when we come to the Lord Jesus, that power is broken. And one day, we shall be free from the very presence of sin itself. Look unto me, look unto Jesus, he says, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. And that would tell us, friends, this is universal. It's for everyone. It's for the Glaswegian. It's for the Roman. It's for the Chinese and the Japanese and the African and the Indian and those from Iran or Iraq or from the Ukraine or Russia or wherever because the problem with sin is absolutely universal. It's the same all over. We are all sinners. We've all come from Adam and Eve. Our first parents were sinners and we have inherited their sinful nature. It doesn't matter the color of our skin and it doesn't matter our sex. We're sinners. And that's why it says, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Whatever we come from, and we'll find in Glasgow, even in Buchanan Street this afternoon, we'll find different nationalities. But this gospel is for all. It's not just for British people or Scottish people. No, it's for every single one of us. And it goes on, for I am God. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He is the Son of God who became the Son of Man. God in the flesh. That's our Savior. That's the one that we commend to you this afternoon. And there is none else. There's no other way. Even in our city of Glasgow here, there will be many, many devotees of other religions. Islam. Buddhism, whatever. There's too many to mention. But there's only one way to be right with God. There's only one Savior. There's only one who has come from heaven. There's only one who has suffered and died. There's only one who has risen again. There's only one who is coming again. Even Jesus Christ. He alone is the Savior. There is none other and if you're going to be saved, you need to have dealings with the eternally begotten Son of God, Christ Jesus the Lord. He himself did say to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. No one will go to heaven 
No one will be right with God unless they have the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We're going to take a short break. Battery's gone. We're glad to be here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We come out usually once a week if we can to proclaim the gospel. And it's a privilege and a pleasure to be here on Buchanan Street this afternoon. Without uh, presenting some gospel tracks as well. If you're offered a track, we would like if you take one, take it home and read it. It's got all our details there, telling you that we meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road. When you come to the police station, go up the hill there, and you'll find, as you pass Thornwood Primary School, you'll come to our building. And we meet tomorrow, the Lord's Day, Sunday, at 11 a.m., and again at 6 p.m. And we also have a midweek meeting at Wednesday at 7.30. And we want, this afternoon, for a few minutes, a few minutes left, we want to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ, because this is the very sum and the substance of Christianity. There's no Christianity without Christ. He is the very hub and the center of it. And if we don't have Christ, we don't have Christianity. You might have religion, but that's not Christianity. Christianity is all about Jesus Christ, about the Son of God who came, became like us, took upon himself a human body, uh, a true body and a reasonable soul. And he did this in order that he would be able to suffer and ultimately to die. Because as the Son of God, he could never die. But as the God-man, the Son of Man, he came to suffer and die. And by his suffering and by his death, he was able to work out a way whereby we might be saved. And we bless God that this is what has happened in the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ has suffered and died in our room and in our place. We read in the Bible here in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? And that verse would tell us that God is one who would be reconciled to us. God is one who would have us to have our sins forgiven. And in one sense, he has done all that's required in order to work out a salvation. He has done everything. He has sent forth his son. His son has done all that was required of him. And therefore, we go out and we proclaim this gospel to you that if you will believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, 
if you will receive him as your Lord and Savior, then, friend, you will know the joy of having your sins forgiven and of being reconciled to God. And what you must understand and appreciate is that God will forgive. He is a forgiving God. As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? There's a way of escape, and that way is to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity, and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. And that is the great God of the Bible. He delights in mercy. And he shows mercy only in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we neglect and ignore and despise the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be no mercy for us. He is only merciful in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Well, we're going to end our time there. It's been good to be with you this afternoon. We're from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, and we meet on the Lord's Day on Sunday at 11 a.m., and again at 6 p.m., and we extend a warm welcome to you. And may the Lord bless his word to you this afternoon.